Hi, you're listening to audio from Rock Hill Church. To check out more resources, please visit rockhilllawrence.com. Thank you for joining us. I hid my podium from Jade this morning. She couldn't find it. Good morning. <clears throat> so good to be with you. I want to, my name's Jim. I've met, I know most of you, but there's a few who are new here, and I want to say welcome especially to you this Sunday, this Mother's Day. So glad you're here. Thank you, Dave, for your words, shepherding us as we started this morning and speaking uh, to, to us such good words. I want to give you a moment before we dive into God's Word this morning and just pause and give you a moment just in quiet, just with the question, what have you received already this morning from the hand of the Lord Maybe you haven't had a chance to stop yet and just sit uh, before him. I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe something in the service already, in the worship. Maybe there was uh, truth that came to you that you needed to be reminded of in the lyrics of the worship. Maybe you were nudged to still yourself before God in one way or another. Maybe someone put their hand on your shoulder and that brought a sense of partnership or companionship or comfort to you. Uh, Maybe it was in Dave's words this morning uh, to you. So maybe you don't know yet. Maybe you don't have an answer yet. I just want to give you the opportunity just to be quiet for a moment, and then I'll pray. Let's pray together. Father, we aren't quiet enough, I think, perhaps, many of us. We allow, uh, we live under the thumb of our circumstances so often. We allow hurry into our lives. We get our orientation towards our roles and our tasks and our vocations, our responsibilities, the things that We want to be excellent in and steward and serve. Sometimes we give our attention to trivial pursuits that may have their place and be healthy, but they start growing. All these things, Lord, they have a sense of robbing us, of being still. Lord, this morning, I pray that as we engage the words of one of your strong followers speaking to us through Scripture, would you nurture in us a receptivity that we don't have to perform, we can receive this morning. Lord, many of us have received from the care and hands of mothers who were there for us, who pointed us in good directions, who stopped us from bad ones, 
Some of us haven't known that care. Lord, we come to you this morning as spiritual family, as community. A room, community, some watching on live stream field with uncles and aunts and mothers, fathers, cousins, brothers, sisters in Christ. Lord, we're reminded that we're not alone. We're never alone when we're living in your presence. But Lord, you've set us in family as well. You've put flesh on this. You've put humanity on it. Lord, anytime humanity gets involved, it gets messy. It gets chaotic sometimes, Lord. We, we live not just in your good kingdom. We live in kingdoms of men and women and boys and girls. And we have to learn how to navigate living in these two kingdoms. Father, they're both good and from your hand. So we ask for grace this morning as we are before you. As we are under your word. We ask that you would... Nurture us, parent us as we hear. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our brother, our servant, the one to whom we owe so much, actually the one to whom we owe everything, we pray in his good name, amen. So it has been a pretty crazy week. How many weeks has three special days? Did you count them? I mean, today's Mother's Day, right? Today's a day. I, my, my gift to my mom, I hope this year more than anything, will be words. And um, she's going to be here in a few days, we hope, and uh, we'll go celebrate by words. I told her the other day that she's the greatest mom in the history of moms. And I also knew how she would receive that. If you, if you know my mom, this would make sense to you. Uh, because I, I know how she would receive that, like, well, what about, and then she'd fill in the blank with all these biblical moms, right? So, so I had to add a caveat quickly on my feet. I said, hey, mom, I checked with Jesus, and he's okay with it. He said, as long as I'll mention Mary, he's good with it. So she's like, okay. Then we had Cinco de Mayo, right? Friday. Anybody celebrate Cinco de Mayo? Big deal for you? Okay, there's a couple. Yeah, back there. And then third, was it third, Wednesday was what? Yeah, May the 4th. That was a special day for one of you in the room. Um, <laughs> so we should acknowledge it. You know, I've, I've, I've learned there's two kinds of people in the world. People who observe May the 4th. And those who don't. <laughs> All right, how many of you really enjoyed May the 4th this year in a special way? Oh, wow. Rachel? Wow, was that a confession or was that an, it was a confession? Yeah. Go to that next slide there. Uh, someone in the room has donned this. I barely thought about the day, to be honest with you. It came up. Wednesday night, uh, Scott, it came up Wednesday night, but um, 
For those of you who did raise your hand, for whom may the force be with you day is special, I just want you to know something. If you're nurturing complacent, that I'm being complacent or not being attentive to the important things, I want to say to you, Scott, I was there. I was there in 1970-whatever when the first <laughs> one came out, and I saw Luke and Hans and Miss Cinnamon Buns on the head start flashing their flashy things, whatever those are. I, I think that like one of the things that movie did to me and my comrades back in 1970, whatever it was, we're, we were living in the Cold War. Anybody remember that in the room? Not many. It doesn't mean temperature. It means politically. And this, this striking um, portrayal of two empires, or, or maybe one empire, the evil one, and then this rebel alliance. And, and we kind of connected those dots a little bit. Maybe wrongly so, but we did. Today our text is about differentiation. Not all things are the same. Mother's Day, we celebrate women. Yes, those who are mothers, we especially celebrate them. But you don't have to have children to be a part of mothering in the community. Now, being female is much more than mothering, but it's not less than. The spiritual community church needs mothers and fathers. You know, the thing that really kept me from... I mean, at a season of my life, I was pretty close to, like, not following anything related to God... And that went for several years. And the thing that really kept me from totally going that way, honestly, was fear. And it wasn't fear of my father. It wasn't really fear of God. Honestly, it was fear of breaking my mother's heart. You know, and I had to grow past that, but it worked for a number of years. That was one way. And there are many other women that I felt that way about, too. We could say a lot more about that. Uh, we don't, we're not going to this morning. I think Dave did a great job this morning. But men and women are differentiated. They're humans. They're alike in very meaningful ways, but they're also different. Just like, well, not just like, <laughs> the dark side Okay, guys, we got to identify with that one if we're going to use that metaphor. And the Rebel Alliance. They're not the same. They're two kingdoms. Today, our text is going to make some important distinctions. I better move on to Scripture before I really get in trouble here. We've been looking at the Gospel of John. The last few verses of chapter 3 is where we're going to camp for just the next 15 minutes or so. It's one of those texts that it's kind of a, quote, transitional text. We, we kind of very easily blow by it and don't pay much attention. I don't know that anybody has memorized any of these verses. Maybe you have. But our text is going to provide, it's going to make some statements about different. People or 
states of being, maybe, that are different. They're not the same. So let's read it together. Would you like to stand? I'll read it if you'd like. Uh, we'll just, as a way of both giving you opportunity to move and opportunity to kind of bring ourselves uh, with our posture under God's word. So, let's, hey, let's read it together. We'll do that. I'll start us and you join in uh, out, out loud if you'd like. You ready? The one coming... Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you. This text both begins and ends with a strong statement of differentiation. He begins by contrasting two men. One is from above. One is from the earth. Jesus and John the Baptist. So this is a, this little text we're looking at is, we might call it bonus insights. These are words from our gospel writer. He's following up on a couple things, both Jesus' incredible conversation with a man uh, late at night named Nicodemus, and then more immediately, he's following up on a conversation between some of Jesus' followers with followers of John the Baptist the baptizer, and then a conversation between John the Baptist himself and his followers. So John's, and we, we've gone through those already. You can check those out on our website if you want to listen to those sermons. I haven't got to, but, but now John is adding bonus insights. That's what we're reading. Jesus and John the Baptist. I have to say the Baptist a lot because our author is also John, but he's a different one. He was actually one of Jesus' best friends. John the Baptist is, in some ways, more than a friend. He's cousin. They share a common family. They grew up together. They were born just months apart. They lived in the same region. They know each other. In many ways, they were same. They were both human, both fully human. But one is more than human. And therein lies the differentiation here, the distinction that's so, so very important between the two. Let's go back for a moment and remind ourselves of the very first words in this book in the gospel. John 1, let me read it for you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
And all things were made by him. In fact, nothing that's been made wasn't made by him. In him was life. And his life was the light of all mankind. What a big statement. And then a few verses later, John makes this shocking assertion. And the word, this word that was with God from the beginning, before human history, the one through whom all things came into being in the world, all things were made through him, John says rather subversively, and the word became flesh. And he made his dwelling among us. We've seen him. He walked with us. We've seen his glory as well as his humanity. We've seen his grace, his kindness. We've also seen his solid truth and how firmly he stood. In Jesus, this polarity, this distinction that makes us want to divide something. In Jesus, deity and humanity collapses. In the person of Jesus. They come together. We, we can't separate him. We wouldn't know how if we tried. He's not 50 God and 50 man. He's fully God. While being wrapped in flesh. Fully human. He becomes human like us. Living from eternity. Wrapping himself in flesh. So he's weak. In his humanity like us. He allows himself to enter human weaknesses. He allows himself to be tempted. To actually go through the process of temptation. To feel the longing for something that's not good for him. To have a battle of the will. He's tempted but yet he obeys his father at every turn. Never sins. Yeah, Jesus and John are alike. Jesus and us are alike, but there's more. There's so, so much more. And therein lies the differentiation. So our scripture says the Father has loved him, and he's placed all things into his hands. The one who from above, John writes, is he's overall. He's man, but he's not just a man. He's what a man. He's an amazing man. He's above all. All persons will confess his lordship over all creation. The writer of Philippians tells us. This summer on Tuesday nights, we're going in June and July, we're gonna tackle the question of who is Jesus and what does that mean for us and how do we how do we align our lives in our time and in our place? And we're gonna, we don't know that much about that, but we're going to wrestle with it. There's a lot to wrestle with there. Who's Jesus and how do we align ourselves? There's another differentiation at the end. I've worked on this word all week. It's easy to botch. Before we get to the end, we've got to hear the solid core in the middle of this bonus insight, because in the solid core, verses 33, 34, 35, and 6, I believe, or 
33, 34, and 35, there's three strong, strong statements that need to be made. So let's look at those just for a moment. Verse 33, it says, the one who's received his testimony, meaning Christ's testimony. This is probably referring to John the Baptist. We don't know for sure, but it's pretty, pretty clear. The one receiving Christ's testimony, he acknowledges what? God is true. A simple statement. God is true. Well, for you philosophy majors, what's truth? That was Pilate's question when Jesus is being judged, tried. What's truth anyway? Well, truth is that which corresponds with reality. Something's true because it really is. It's not true because I believe it's true. It's not true because someone important says it's true, or the majority says it's true, or the minority says it's true. It's true because it's consistent with what's really there. Not really there as in something that seems to be there. It corresponds to what's there as it truly is. That's truth. God is true. If you want to build your life on what is true, build your life on God. If you want to build your life on what's real, build your life on God. That's what John's getting at here. Not your views, not your opinions, not your feelings, not our experiences. All those things may have some truth in them here and there. But they're not reality in the way that God's truth is. His truth is unchanging. We're, we get it wrong all the time. We're capable of being self-deceived. We're, we're capable of being deceived what's out there. We're capable of being deceived what's in here all the time. God is true. You want to build your life, build it on Him. You want to build your life for eternity, build it on God. God is true. He's ultimately true, not our version of truth. When Jesus came, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. He wasn't claiming just some of the things I happen to say here and there are true. He's saying, no, I'm embodying truth. As people of the earth, that's John, that's me and you, uh, we discover truth, we find it, we learn to live in it, we try to build our lives in it, but we can't embody it, not like Jesus does. Truth spills out of us, sometimes accidentally, sometimes purposefully. Christ is true. Our culture has been in all these tug of wars and arguments and quarrels about what's right and what is true. As people on the earth, we can comprehend truth, but we cannot embody it, not like Jesus does. John's just making a very simple statement here, but a very important one. Build your life on what is true. 
And I say to you, the only way you're going to do that is in Christ. Only one who's walked among us has that truth. The rest of us, well, we're from the earth. We were made out of dirt. Now, we're more than that. We were made in the image of God. We were made beloved, treasured, so much so that Christ would give everything for us. But at the end of the day, we're still made out of dirt. Not Jesus. He's from above. He's differentiated from the rest of us. That's the first thing in the critical core of this text. Second one is in verse 34. For, John writes, God sent him who speaks the word of God. That's Jesus. And then he gives another surprise. For he gives the Spirit without measure. I think he intended for us to go, oh my, when we hear that. For Christ gives the Spirit without measure. That's the second thing. He doesn't hold back with his Spirit. He gives, he doesn't parcel out a little bit. He opens up his Spirit to his people. Spirit means life. It's not just life, but God's Spirit is his life. His word is truth. His spirit brings life. You want to come alive? Come alive to God. That's a different kind of life. It's what John calls everlasting, eternal. He means that chronologically. He means that qualitatively. It has a quality that you cannot find anywhere else. Anything you're trying to find life in, you're trying to find life in someone else built from the earth, you're going to be disappointed. You're trying to find life in what you do with your hands or your brain or what contribution you make uh, on this big dirt ball. If you're trying to squeeze life out of that, if you're trying to squeeze life out of your child, you're going to be disappointed. We just disappoint each other. We also love each other. We also bless each other. But at the end of the day, we're mixed bags. We're made out of dirt. There's one who gives life, and it remains, and it grows, and it flourishes us. Even in suffering, it brings life. It, it, it brings these qualities like joy and peace, even in hard times. It doesn't protect us from the suffering. It just brings life in the midst of it. God's Spirit is what was hovering above the waters at the beginning of time. Life was hoverboarding over the waters. His Spirit is what breathed into the first human. And He became man and woman. He breathed His Spirit the human came to life. God's Spirit is what filled the prophets in the days of old. And they spoke words of life that included both comfort and warning to the people. God's Spirit came upon Mary. And she conceived and had a child. His Spirit came upon Jesus like a dove at His baptism. And it empowered Him for ministry. 
God's Spirit came upon the church at Pentecost. It breathed life in it. It had information. It had been taught by Jesus, but then His Spirit came and breathed life. And the church exploded. His Spirit comes as a deposit and a promise on each one of us, those of us from the earth, who place our faith, our trust in Jesus. God gives the Spirit without limit to us. As much as we will receive, He has for us. God's Word brings truth. His Spirit brings life. They come to us together in Jesus. You want life. I mean, in, I mean a good, the good life. I mean the life you long for. I mean the life you're dreaming of. That will meet the longings of the heart. You'll find it in Jesus. I'm not suggesting you experience it completely or perfectly. Why? Well, you're from the earth. We live in two kingdoms still. But you can experience it, and it can be really good. We have spirits. We're made in human likeness, so we have a spirit. But that spirit has died apart from Christ. When God gives life, that spirit is awakened. It's made holy. It becomes something new, Paul said, the apostle. It's reborn, Jesus said. It's infused with life. Nothing else can do that for you. You can't study a course or learn some new insight, read the right book, serve under the right mentor. You can't get that anywhere else but from the hand of God who became flesh in the person of Jesus. He gives life. And he imparts it through his spirit to his people. We can't. We can't give life. But God can and God does. You can't live at peace and with joy in the troubled times that are coming to you without life. Or trying some technique to try to psych yourself into it. And I want to tell you that technique is from the earth too. It won't last. It won't carry you. It'll disappoint you. It'll fail you. Jesus, well, he won't. He is going to be there for you. Even when you are blowing it. He's going to be waiting. Even when you turn your back on him, he's going to be there waiting you he gives life he doesn't take it back he gives it then the next verse says the father loves the son i think that's verse 35 and he's placed all things into his hand that's the third claim the first claim was about truth god is true the second one was about life this one's about the way of god the Father loves the Son. It's about love. His way is love. Not as a fancy idea, but love wrapped up in flesh. Love on the street. Love in the school. Love in the neighborhood. Love in the middle of broken family. That's God's way. He sent his son, not just to accomplish a mission or a task, but to show love to people who've been born from the dirt. 
He sent Jesus in love. He sent Jesus because of love to people he loves. That's us. For God so loved the world, he sent his son. He sent him in love. Love is an expression of God's identity. It's not just something he does, it's actually who he is. God is love. We can love, we're people of the earth, we have the capacity to love. But we can't love like Jesus does. We can't love perfectly. As his spirit lives in us, as we come under his truth, we learn, we train in his love, and we get better at it. But even then, we don't love like God loves. That's what we strive to do. Jesus was sent in love, and he knows nothing but love. He demonstrated his love for us. So three critical statements. I don't know what to tell you to do with this. You know, I can't give you like, now go do this. I'm saying build your life on these. God's truth, God's life, and his love. Build your life on those. They're not going to disappoint you. They're going to be there for you. They're going to shape your identity. They're going to help you get up some mornings. They're going to help you lay your head down some nights. They're going to help you through the next bad doctor's report. Or the bad phone call from dad. Or the next job loss. They're going to be there for you. Let's end with this last differentiation. It's in verse 36. It's the last verse. It's another differentiation between two individuals, but they're not named. They're they're sort of generic individuals. They're used, these two people, as examples. They're nameless to us. John says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal what? Say it. Life. Whoever believes in the Son. John's trying to say this very simply for us. Something so big, and if we really understood it, we'd say so complex and multi-layered. John's genius, as God gave it to him, is to say this very simply. Whoever believes in the Son has life. That's all we need to know. God saying, you get that, you got it. Whoever believes in the Son has life. Man, I mean, there's no stages, no steps. Whoever places their faith, trust, and confidence in Jesus, whoever comes to believe that he is God, wrapped in flesh, whoever comes to believe that God's right about everything, no matter what the question is, that he wants to give me life and invite me in, his way. That's, he's saying all those things. But he's just saying, I'm wrapping all that up in a burrito and calling it belief. Whoever would believe has life. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, we can say it in this room. We can walk down the hall and say it to those explorers. They're in here where we started. 
And it makes sense to them too. We are people of the earth. And we think we are so smart. (laughs) The same truth comes to us all. Whoever believes have life, has life. Then John says something else. He makes a differentiation here. Listen, whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. This is not getting God getting ticked off. You didn't buy what he's selling. No. This is the judgment of God on our rebellion. That everybody who's walked on this big dirt ball deserves. Because we've walked away from our creator. Our maker. The one who loves us endlessly. John wants us to understand what's at stake here. This is not some passive differentiation he's making. This is not a benign proclamation. Whoever has believed has life, but he refuses to believe. Who disobeys the Son cannot see life. And the judgment that is deservingly yours will not just like make a house call on your life, it will stay on your head. So so this verse can be incredibly, can I say life-giving for us, encouraging, bring us hope and joy. Whoever believes has life. Well, I don't believe very much sometimes. Do you believe? Yeah, that's enough. Sometimes I doubt. Do you believe? Yeah. Sometimes I have to say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Jesus says, okay. Are you trusting in me? Have you placed your confidence in me? Then I got you, he says. He's not asking you to do it perfectly. Nor is he asking you to live perfectly. But is he saying, have you placed yourself in his care? Your soul as well as your life right here and now? Not just someday, one day out there, but right here and now. Have you done that? He's got you. But then there's those who are like, I can't do this. I can't believe this. The guy came in a person, walked this earth, and he gave his life for me on the cross, and I have to trust in that. He rose victoriously. I'm not going to do that. I want to do life how I want to construct it. I want to create my version of truth. I want to make a few tweaks here and there and take the cross out. I want you to hear the words of John. You will not see life. For this wrath will stay on you. There's a center here, and it's called an invitation. Everybody's invited. You may have thought, I'm beyond the love of God. I want to say to you, you're not. If you are, we all are. Because you can't out me. You may have done something worse than I've done. That'd be a good conversation that I'm not interested in having. 
you can't out sin yourself. Hey, you're a sinner. Your sin separated you from this life. But there's an offer of life. Whoever believes has life. No one's excluded from that offer. But you know what? God doesn't force it on us. He doesn't. He could have done it that way. You know why? Mothers in the room know this intuitively. Love. You know moms, you know when, when those kids are little, you know you're hovering over them, you know, like helicopters, and you're, and you're trying to pull the right levers and push the right doors, shut the other ones, and try to keep them on the straight and narrow. Good for you, you know. My mom did that, thank God. But then she came to a point where she realized, um, my boy has to go his way. He has to make decisions. I have to start letting go. And that's, that's a reflection of the heart of God. She doesn't do that because she's waving the white flag, and although she has those moments too, the mom. She's doing it because of love. I want this person to live out of what's in them because I respect the dignity of the person. That's what God does. He creates us, and he respects the dignity of being a created being. He loves us. He'll do all he can to nudge, poke, convict, reveal. Jesus offers his way, his truth, and his life. And this is true for every person. And his way is love, but he doesn't force it. Because his way is love. He's not an evil, wicked, angry taskmaster. His way is love. So this is now yours. I'm done. But I appeal to you, choose life. Choose the way of life. Be an embodiment as much as you can of life to others. You're not Jesus. You can't stop yourself from being from the dirt. But you know what? Christ's Spirit now lives in you if you've placed your confidence in Him. So be Jesus to the people around you in your unique, God-given, gifted way. There's a lot at stake here, isn't there? Fortunately, we don't have to pull the levers and open and shut the doors. God does His work. We're in community as children with Him. That's enough. He who has believed has life. He who doesn't believe, he won't obey. You, we can't, last comment I'll make, you can't erase obedience out of it. Now, we're not going to obey perfectly. We understand that. We fail. But we can't erase obedience out of being a child of God. It's a critical core. We obey him as he leads us. Just like a child disobeys his parent, we frequently don't do it very well. But as we walk in this life, we grow in our obedience to Jesus. That's what he expects of us, to grow up. As individuals, as a community, he expects us to grow up. That's his vision for us. And we can. And we will. We are. 
If you're checking us out, we invite you to help us grow up. We invite you to grow up with us. We invite you to share this life that we share in Jesus, this truth and this way of love. So those are three big ideas, way, truth, love. Build your life on those. Let's pray. Help us, God, build our lives on that which is real, that which is true, that which endures, that which is going to stay with us. God, I pray for the person who's not yet given their allegiance, their loyalty, their trust, their belief in you. May they hear those words, those sobering words, God's wrath remains upon them. Lord, those aren't words of condemnation, they're words of truth. Because of our choice to rebel. It's not punishment, it's what we deserve. It's what it means to be people of broken earth. Lord, give that person courage, clarity of thought. Inspire their will, their intention to want this. And God, give us the courage as a community to live in it. As individuals and as a community, as families, as partners in our work, as neighbors, Father. So much of that feels so beyond us. And then we remember, he, she who believes has life. Help that be nurturing for us. May it recall us to the center of our life with you. And may we live in it. We offer these requests up in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd love to talk to you if you have questions about the message today. Or you may be here with someone and you feel like they're really good place to talk to, then I'd encourage you to do that as well. We're going to end in worship. So, team, lead us.